I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you're thinking about having more than one child, or if you know someone who is, I would not recommend reading the book of Genesis. If you're thinking about getting married, or you know someone who is, I would not recommend reading the book of Genesis. If you're thinking about going to visit some relatives you haven't seen in a long time, I would not recommend reading the book of Genesis. Why? Well, because for all the hype about the Bible being a kind of guidebook on how to have a happy, wholesome, and harmonious family life, it really isn't. It isn't this kind of book. Families don't come off that well in the Holy Scripture. They don't come off well at all. There is enough fighting and cheating and lying and stealing and hair pulling and he said, she said to rival even the most graphic episode of the Jerry Springer show. Nowhere, I think, is this more evident than in the book of Genesis. This morning's reading from Genesis chapter 50 finds Joseph... You remember Joseph, the kid with the coat of many colors, the one with the brothers by another mother who hated Joseph so much that they threw him into a pit, rubbed animal blood on his clothes, and went home fake crying to tell his father he was dead. The brothers who sold Joseph into slavery. The brothers who years afterwards, in the middle of a terrible famine, had to hightail it to Joseph to beg forgiveness so that they wouldn't starve. This morning's reading from Genesis finds Joseph once again facing these very same brothers And it appears that they may be making nice for some pretty self-serving purposes. Jacob, their old man, is dead now. And the brothers are worried about their future. So they tell Joseph, hey man, (laughs) no hard feelings, right? By the way, By the way, did you know that dad's dying wish was that we reconcile so you could pay off all our outstanding credit card debt? Or something like that. Honestly, honestly, my temptation here is to just tell Joseph to stick it to his siblings, to give them a taste of their own medicine. I'm guessing I'm not alone in this. Conventional wisdom, conventional wisdom says Joseph is crazy to keep forgiving these guys who have done him wrong again and again and again. What's that saying? When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time? 
Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about Joseph, though. Here's the thing about Joseph. Joseph doesn't seem all that interested in conventional wisdom. He doesn't seem to subscribe to the usual assumptions about human nature, assumptions about enmity and recrimination and what you should do when someone betrays you. You remember what his brothers say about Joseph earlier on in the book of Genesis? They say, here comes that dreamer. They mean this as an insult, but actually they've gotten it just right. Joseph is a dreamer and in the best possible sense. It's not just that Joseph has his own dreams or that he can interpret other people's dreams, though this certainly serves him well. It's not just that Joseph has his own dreams or that he can interpret other people's dreams. It's that Joseph is open to what the late theologian Verna Dozier called the dream of God. Many of you have heard about this dream of God before from Bishop Curry. There is an alternative to the death spiral of violence and hate and recrimination that mar so much of what passes for life in our world. And that alternative is the dream of God. There is an alternative to the death spiral of violence and hate and recrimination that mars so much of what passes for life in our world. And that alternative is God's dream for us. That alternative is the story of God, if you will. And God longs for this to become our story as well. There is an alternative to the death spiral of violence and hate and recrimination. So it is that in today's reading from Genesis, despite the fact that his brothers have wronged him over and over and over again, Joseph can say to them, even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good. Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good. Joseph can say things like this, and he can mean it. It's a kind of miracle, really, I think. It's a kind of miracle because, I mean, here's this guy who's been let down so many times, and in spite of it all, in spite of it all, he is still willing to place his bets on the loving purposes of God rather than on the hateful schemes of humans. It's a miracle. Several thousand years later, this same miracle pops up in the life of a young girl who was just minding her own business when all of a sudden an angel of the Lord comes to her and announces that she is pregnant with the Son of God. You, you, can, and you know the story. You, you can already hear the neighbors starting to gossip over at the local hair salon at this point, can't you? 
Did you hear about Mary? Mary who's engaged but not yet married? You could already hear the neighborhood gossips getting started with their version of the story. You can hear them getting going with their stories. Fortunately, though, theirs are not the stories in which Mary chooses to insert herself. Theirs are not the stories she decides to be a part of. Instead, Mary enters the wondrous story, the dream told by the angel, when Mary asks how on earth all these strange and magnificent things are going to happen. Mary, remember, says, how can this be? And the whole thing just seems ludicrous, doesn't it? So Mary asks the angel, how can this be? To which the angel replies, nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. This is how Jesus comes to enter into our sad, distrustful, and cynical world, a world that disappoints us again and again and again. Jesus comes to be born into this world and to invite his followers, despite all our pain and skepticism, can anything good come out of Nazareth, really? No. This man eats with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus comes to be born into this world and to invite us, his followers, despite all our pain and skepticism, Jesus invites us to trade our old, worn-out narratives of death and destruction. Narratives that say when somebody hurts us, the only thing to do is to hurt them back. Jesus invites us to swap out these tired old narratives for the narratives of people like his ancestor Joseph. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. This is, this is actually what I think is going on in this morning's gospel lesson. I know it doesn't look like it. I know much of this morning's gospel lesson looks and sounds like shame and judgment. I know it was hard to say, praise to you, O Christ, after you heard the last words of it. I know this morning's gospel lesson can look a lot like a threat and hell and fire and brimstone and all sorts of disastrous things. But I suspect, I suspect that all of the dramatic language and Im imagery in this morning's gospel is simply a way of presenting us, its readers, its hearers, with two stories. I suspect it's a way of holding out for our consideration two ways of being in this world. One is the way of life, the other the way of death. Jesus invites each of us to walk with him along the path of life to live into the dream of a world in which radical acts of love and mercy become possible again and again and again. Not in some pro forma kind of way, seven times, but in an outrageous, out of control, maybe even ill-advised way. 77 times. 
I once saw an interview with a woman whose son had been murdered. She was speaking with the man who had killed her child and talking about how it was that over time, over a long time, she became able to forgive him. The person conducting the interview, the guy who was facilitating this conversation between the bereaved mother and the person who took her child's life, the person conducting the interview at one point blurted out, well, I I just couldn't do it, what you've done. I could never forgive someone who killed my child. To which the mother responded, I can't do it either but God can. I can't do it either, but God can. Friends, this is the sort of dream to which God calls us. This is the sort of story inhabited by that dreamer, Joseph. You and I, all of us, can inhabit this story too. It is ours to enter, ours to live, ours to embrace, for nothing will be impossible with God. Amen.